0: bad shipping decisions could cost you all of your Q4 profits. The biggest barrier to success with the back-end part of an e-commerce brand is the lack of education. That's why today's guest wrote his best-selling book, Adapt or Die, Your Survival Guide to Modern Warehouse Automation.
1: It's the e-commerce master plan podcast, here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas.
0: Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. In today's episode, we're getting into the back-end bit of your e-commerce business. We are getting into your team. We're getting into how to pick the right shipping systems. We're getting into packaging the three biggest elements, the three biggest sets of costs you've got in the process of getting your product out of the warehouse to your customers. And... We're also going to be finding out what the most important thing you can do in that whole process, that whole world of operations to make sure you're making the biggest impact this Q4. We're going to meet our guests to take us through all of that very shortly, but beforehand, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash Master Plan. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build and grow a business on Amazon. Helium 10 has all the tools you need to run your business in one place. No more downloading multiple apps or paying for different software. And I have an incredible offer for you. Get 50% off your first month of a Helium 10 platinum account when you go to helium10.com/masterplan. helium10.com forward slash master plan. That's H-E-L-I-U-M one zero dot And now to introduce today's guest expert. Jeremy Bodenhammer is the author of Amazon bestseller, Adapt or Die, your survival guide to modern warehouse automation. And he's also the CEO of ShipHawk. Hello, Jeremy.
2: Hi, Chloe. How are you?
0: I'm good, and I'm um as I was telling you before we hit record, I do like a good chat about the back end of e-commerce because there's so much marketing potential there, and other potential as we'll be getting into later. so it's a it's a real treat to have someone who's written such a thorough book on the subject on. So uh, so thank you for writing it.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for reading it.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, let's let's get right into the detail then, Jeremy. How did you get into this world of shipping and logistics and e-commerce?
2: Yeah. Well, when I was in uh, college, one of my jobs, I was working in this little executive services firm. They did FedEx, UPS, postal service type shipping, nothing crazy. And I'd helped the owner uh, grow that business uh, quite substantially while I was there. And I graduated from college and always monitored the local business for sale listings like small businesses for sale. And I saw this pack and ship store in Santa Barbara, uh, California, where I live, uh, come up for sale. And after a few days, the listing disappeared. So I didn't think anything of it. And it came up again and disappeared. That happened four or five times. So finally, I picked up the phone and called the broker. Turns out this business had fallen out of escrow with five consecutive buyers. So. Something was going on, went in. Clearly, the owner had, you know, it was not a a well-run business. It wasn't doing well. One may call it a failing business. Uh, But I thought I could do something similar to what I had done in college. So, I literally begged, borrowed, and stole. Uh, Got every penny I could put together, maxed out my credit card, and I walked into this guy's office with an envelope full of cash, I put it in his hands far below what they wanted for this failing business. Uh, And he looks in this envelope and he looks at me and he goes, I assume this is your first offer. And I said, right now, this is my only offer. And I turned on and I walked out of his office, super risky. Uh, But two days later, I was the proud owner of a failing business. And I uh, was putting my wife through grad school at the time. But the day she graduated, I went to work in the store and uh, this guy walks in with this life-size wooden rocking horse and asked me to ship it. (laughs) And this thing was huge. I didn't know what freight was, didn't know what freight brokers were, 3PLs, anything. But that job turned into another and another and another till I had customers of all sizes, small and large, e-commerce, everything was going online. And by 2011, my phone was ringing off the hook and customers and businesses were all asking the same question, which is, what is shipping cost? Um, Everyone was putting their they were selling online, but they didn't know how to to price the distribution. So their margins were eroding. They were they were exposed with every transaction. So I figured I had two options. This business was doing very well. I had scaled it to be one of the top performing stores of its kind in the United States. Figured I could scale that brick and mortar or I could sell it and try to solve that problem with software. And that's what I did. And so today I uh, run a um, uh, shipping software a business. We say we're the premier packing and shipping software for ERP-connected companies. Uh, that's ShipHawk. And we help e-commerce, D2C, uh, D2B, manufacturers, wholesale distributors, anyone that's distributing product, we help them uh, reduce their costs, increase their throughput, remove decisions from employees' hands in the warehouse, everything you can think of there. So that's kind of my how I got into e-commerce story.
0: Nice. And, a, and and a ballsy move taking that envelope of cash. But sometimes we have to do those things, don't we? Just roll the dice.
2: Yeah, well, since that one worked out, I can say yes. If it didn't, I'd have a different
0: answer. <laughs> I, just, I think either way it would be a good story. Um, well, let, Jeremy, we we've we've got into how you ended up in this world, but what what then led you to write the book about such a a complicated subject? A not often thought as sexy subject and a subject which, as I think we're going to get into, is evolving a lot at the moment. How come you decided to write a book about it all?
2: Absolutely. And if you, you want to think about it, when we had bookstores, right, or those of us that still do have a bookstore, if you walk in, there's shelves full of sales and marketing books, but virtually none in the world, what I call behind the buy button, the operations world. Um, We have found at ShipHawk that the biggest barrier to success in the current marketplace is education. Independent merchants not realizing the competitive threats they're up against and not knowing the solutions that they need to win. Nine out of the 10 prospects my sales teams talk to, they have no supply chain goals or operational metrics they're running their business by. So the primary catalyst for writing the book was just education, trying to get this information out there. What allowed me to write the book is something totally different. It was the pandemic. All of a sudden, I wasn't on an airplane half my time, and I had time on my hands to just make it happen. So I sat down and started writing.
0: And and here is the book. So, uh, so even better than having a thorough book on the subject of the back end, the fulfillment piece, we've got a book which is of this world, not that world, if that makes sense. So it's written with all the changes that have happened in recent years in mind. So you mentioned, oh, should we get should we get straight into some of the, the the detail here um or should we go big picture first? I think I think let's go big picture and I will hold off on asking you about metrics until later, but listener, I promise we will get into metrics before this uh, this interview is over. You open the book with a section on the crises that are happening in retail, manufacturing and distribution and that those are kind of fundamental to understand how we strategically should, should create opportunity for ourselves. So do you want to just just explain how, how those crises reflect into the world of e-commerce shipping?
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, I boil it down in the book to what I call uh, the five APIs of the apocalypse. I predict a, a very r- real possible future without independent merchants where you have these giant mega companies that are controlling all of commerce and we're we're seeing that substantial creep with amazon right and amazon's one of my my five apis amazon walmart alibaba jd.com and shopify and i i think shopify is truly the only real ally of any substance and, and size that matters that these independent merchants actually have but the purpose of these companies, if you look at the way they do business, and we can read articles on a daily basis about the horrors of you know, how they're treating people on their own marketplace, let alone the, the, the smaller businesses they compete against, the reality is that they are so big and so powerful that the small merchants don't really have a chance if they have their sights set on them. And they have their sights set on everyone. And they don't want to augment their business. They want to run them out so they can control all of that and you want to talk about size i mean i think about a small business starts in someone's garage moves to a small warehouse right maybe you're talking going from spending tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands maybe a you know a million or 2 million bucks on a distribution center and you're starting to get into serious money amazon spends upwards of 200 million dollars on each new smart distribution center that they set up right in 2019 alibaba shipped over a billion packages in a single day, on singles day. I mean, we're talking size and scale that uh, the independents are are not going to be able to meet long-term unless there's some sort of aggregated, intelligent approach to it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of that that scenario of, you know, we always know that, that first off, Amazon... And they're like they push the consumer expectation of what the end user experience of shipping was, and i.e. that it became fast and it became free, and that was hard just to offer, to finance, to logistically deliver for the smaller retailer. And now it's reached a a whole other level with all the automations they've been being able to bring in. Is not only are they they creating the consumer mindset that should be fast and free they're also, with their scale, able to reduce the cost of delivering that far lower than what the independent retailer can do. And in your book, you then go on to say that actually now this is something which the smaller retailer can also achieve.
2: Yeah, I think first, to your first point, uh, I think it's important to note that we're living in a world where these uh, these giants are the ones setting and controlling the expectation that everyone else has to deliver on. That's uh, something that I think we easily glaze over. It's like, oh, of course I have to do fast mm-hmm. free shipping. Like, of course it has to be two day. Well, where we're, in God's name did two day come from, right? Came from someone else's business model and they're imposing that on me for their benefit because they know I can't meet the same, uh, metrics at the same price. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with some, you know, and, and without getting into too much detail, cause we could, I could geek out on this stuff for a long time, <laughs> but without getting into too much detail, because shipping and distribution in the warehouse itself is so big and so complicated. And I suggest that most independents just start with one thing and just knock one thing off at a time and not try to, to boil the ocean. But there are things that can be done which will make them more competitive. There are are processes, there's software, there are um, partners uh, that can help them be more competitive. Things like rate negotiations, different types of software to help them better utilize the rates they get, right? Instead of relying on people to click and decide, oh, this one's going to go FedEx, this one's going to go with the Postal Service, right? Using software to make sure that that is the best lowest price that meets the promise they made to their customer right I think these are big deals
0: it is one of those um those slightly crazy things is that once you've got enough scale to negotiate a rate with multiple careers unless you're automating you know back in head office or up in head office, if you're on the mezzanine of the warehouse, you know you can be as clever as you like negotiating these deals and going, right, that's going to be perfect for our larger boxes that are over two kilos. Um, and this rate with this career is going to be perfect for that, apart from on a Friday, because on a Friday, due to the timings, we'll need to send it out via this career. And you can get as clever as you like. You can create the best flow chart in the world. And when your permanent staff are in, over the spring and the summer period, it may work perfectly. But then, when the growth comes in the winter, and you've got, as we go into Q4, as we go into Christmas and Black Friday, and you've got your temp now clicking the button, like you said, and going, Who am I putting it with? Unless they've been trained well and they're being picked up on it, you can end up sending everything by completely and utterly the wrong courier. And you'll probably only realize when the bill comes in. And that's going to be a shocker of a bill.
2: I've got more more stories that that I could that we have time for me to share on this. But our data shows that even in the well-trained scenario, if it's any sort of static result, meaning that we have a specific directive for that's not by that specific orders details. Right. Because we don't know what that customer is going to buy. And all these customers are coming from different places. Uh, We ran a, a test on about 3 quarters of a million shipments in environments where the shipper was using only one or two carriers. So that's it. So FedEx and the postal service or just FedEx or UPS. In that scenario, greater than 1 in 5 shipments was being misrouted, meaning they were spending more to meet the delivery promise than they should have. 20 was like 22, 23% of the time. I mean, the numbers are outrageous. And that's before we get to the temp, the seasonal worker, I tell a story in the book of a an auto parts company that we our sales team was talking to, and they decided to do a different initiative before buying our software, and their entire Q4 profit was lost because their team misshipped one item. It was a large mm-hmm. item. It it, it hit uh, FedEx's oversized charge, which at this point I don't even know what today's rate is. It's I think over eight hundred bucks for every shipment. At the time, it was like 300, 350. And they shipped so many of those products, they eroded their profitability for the whole quarter. Yeah, ouch. These are painful lessons to learn.
0: They are. And it, it's it's also, it's, it's always, what I think, one of those areas which the human brain is not best placed to make the right decision. Because there's a lot of different variables. We've got size. We've got speed. We've got what the customer signed up for. We've got location. Which, even if you're in one country, can be complicated enough without adding overseas as well. And then we've got the cost of it to us. Did I say size and weight? I can't remember. We've got up to at least six different variables. That's a lot to expect someone who you're probably targeting on how many parcels they can get out the door in a day to consider as they're going through the process. You know, how often does the parcel get put on the scales? Um, It's crying out for, for a tech solution. So, so that's clearly a big area of potential saving where we can help ourselves in our in our fulfillment process. Is there another big area um, you find, Jeremy, where, where the, the smaller retailer could be doing a lot better?
2: Yeah, one of my favorite ones to talk about is in packaging. I am the guy that that loathes getting a giant box that I could fit a, you know, a kid's Ford in <laughs> just for, you know, a, a toothbrush or toothpaste. Right. It drives me bananas. I tell a story in the book of I ordered these plastic hockey sticks for my boys, like street hockey sticks, and they're they're super thin. You're talking like an inch in one direction, two in the other. And then the the, the bottom, the it was probably maybe like eight or nine inches long. Each of these came in its own box. And I calculated the dimensional space on the truck that these boxes took up because they were huge. And this, this was an Amazon purchase back in the day when I purchased stuff on Amazon. Uh, but knowing which package to use, which box, which carton, what materials to use for each order is critical. Because a lot of companies are making the mistake, they're rating boxes, not even considering the fact that the box they're using is too big. And that's everything's shipped on dimensional weight these days. So the size and the weight add to the cost. And if there was a way to ship that cheaper, it's too bad. It's already been packaged. And that goes all the way up to building pallets and loading pallets into the truck. It all impacts the cost. So I love talking about packaging. Um, and I also love talking about labor. I mean, during the pandemic, it was interesting because we had a lot of customers coming to us, a lot of prospects, because they couldn't have more people in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Okay, the COVID was may- meaning they, people had to be distanced, but they, their volumes went through the roof, Right. And coming out of COVID, now the problem is there aren't people to even put in the warehouse. I mean, unemployment is is so low, and that that type of worker is in such high demand. Um, and so, I really believe in uh, investing in those workers, like we invest in the the employees and the rest of the business. Right? We think about these like greatest offices and all these awards that these magazines do, and it's it's all these tech companies, right? With kombucha on tap and ping pong tables, and then you go in the <laughs> warehouse, and the warehouse is like a dungeon, right? There's no, mm-hmm. there's not even, there's no windows. It's it's terrible. Um, and I think we really need to invest in those workers, invest in their experience, train them, and treat them like they're going to be a part of the company long term, so that we can actually get an ROI on that labor. I think this is going to be a huge issue into the future if we don't do it.
0: I like the fact you're tackling it kind of from every direction, both in ways which are going to save on cost and therefore. Prove ROI. So if we get the automation picking the correct pricing, the correct postage method, awesome, that's going to save us money and give the team one less thing to do. If we get the packaging right, we're going to save money. If we look after the team and we can retain them, we're going to save money and they're going to work faster, et cetera. And the other thing I like about all kind of those three areas is, is it's it's eradicating waste as well which is when I get asked, why do I do what I do? I do what I do because I hate seeing businesses waste opportunities, spend money on the wrong marketing, or not do a really obvious marketing method. And so anytime I'm seeing waste being obliterated, I always get very happy. All these parts are coming together in what you're saying. It's kind of, why why is everybody not putting this really high up on their you know their key strategic pieces? I mean, Italy, guys, you're listening to this in September. It's coming on to be a little bit late to put this in place for Q4 2021. But some of you, I suspect, can manage some of this. But if it's not on the list of things to sort out at the very beginning of 2022, I don't know what people are doing. I just don't get it.
2: Yeah. Before the pandemic, uh, shipping, distribution, all these items were on the priority list. They just weren't number one. COVID moved these items to number one for many, many companies. I think it's going to have to be number one at some point for companies to survive, uh, thus the name of the book, right? Uh, Because the the competition is not the other SMB down the street, right? The competition is these giants that will have exactly what each of the independents is selling one way or another, and they'll have it faster and cheaper, and it will be ubiquitous. It'll be everywhere. I mean, there's stuff today that I can only get on Amazon, and it drives me bananas, right? I go everywhere else trying to find it, and it's literally... Can't get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm in awe of you managing to not buy stuff on Amazon. I end up doing it just because buying from other places is just so complicated sometimes. But we're not going to go down go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> uh, that that could take us the rest of the week, let alone the rest of this episode. You were saying about how COVID has pushed it to the top of the agenda, sorting out all these back end systems and processes. I feel like COVID made it made us have to firefight our way through it. And now is the time to take a breath and go, actually, we've muddled our way through. We've upgraded, but we've muddled through to some extent. Now let's properly look at this, take the lessons we've learned, build on them to create a sustainable competitive advantage for the future. Anyone who's listening, who's thinking that, what's the the one thing they've still got time to put in place for this black friday this q4 would you say where where should they focus their efforts
2: can we bring in metrics now can we talk about that yet? Oh
0: yes yes that's (laughs) even better if we get to bring in metrics i i also am very capable of geeking out on metrics so yeah metrics please
2: so when when you asked me why i wrote the book and started talking about education i i quoted that statistic that nine out of ten prospects my sales team talks to do not have operational or supply chain metrics in place They're not managing their business like they do their sales funnel or their marketing funnel, right? I mean, I can't imagine someone running a sales or marketing department or team without having specific funnel metrics and understanding where the money's going and what you're getting in return for it. But that's how we run supply chain. And in the back of the book, I actually have pages of... Uh, suggested metrics to start with. But what I would do, if I'm just, if it's, I'm coming up on Q4, I've got limited time, limited resources to get things in place for this year, but I want to make sure that my business is going to not just survive, but thrive going into next year. The first thing I would do is select some just fundamental things to start measuring. I wouldn't uh, go crazy, uh, just simple things, uh, either average order or order by uh, by category or, or type and start understanding what I'm actually spending on that. How long is it taking me to fulfill these type of orders, right? Um, Where are the discrepancies in my workflows? So going into the new year, when I go to put new systems in place, I'm doing it with purpose. It's not just oh crap, I'm buried, I'm drowning, things are so busy, I got to do something. It's I need to solve this specific problem. I have the measurement from before and now I have the measurement for after. I knew, know exactly how I improved and now I can set new targets and I can manage my team to achieve those targets.
1: E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are.
0: Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, Platform is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit Klaviyo.com/masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com/masterplan. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build and grow a business on Amazon. Whether you're just starting or are several years into e-commerce, it is a must-have tool for your business and I have an incredible offer for you. Get 50% off your first month of a Helium 10 platinum account when you go to helium10.com forward slash masterplan. That's H-E-L-I-U-M-1-0.com slash masterplan master plan
1: It's time for the top tips round
0: Okay Jeremy I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level so despite the audience's brains whizzing with all that metric advice you've just given us we're going to proceed into the top tips and hope to win them back away from their metric thinking So Jeremy you ready for these I'm ready Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agrees to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
2: And I can't, I can't suggest my book, right?
0: (laughs) No, no, you have, I'm going to, your book is obviously brilliant, but I'm going to make you bring us another recommendation.
2: Yeah. So I'm a I'm a big book guy. I buy books for everyone on my team. If they want to read, I buy the books. Um, I have a, a shelf in my office full of these that I give away. The top book that I give away to people on my team that I want them to digest is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It is not just a negotiating book. It is a communication book. It's a, a people and relationship book. Uh, the learnings that come out of there are almost endless. I've reread it multiple times. I cannot recommend that book highly enough.
0: Thanks. We, we love a recommendation that comes with that much passion. Uh, okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do we either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
2: So I love this question because you ended with get the doesn't get the press it deserves. So I'm going to give you a super unsexy answer here that nobody talks about anymore. But Has has built civilizations. I am a big fan of the cold call, the knocking on the door. People that are selling things, there's value in what they're selling somehow, some way. And if we do the research in advance, we know who we're going after. Yeah, we can do SEO, we can buy ads on Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff and do it at scale. But there's a lot to be said for knowing who our ideal target buyer is and knocking on their door and just showing them, proving to them the value and getting traction that way. Uh, So that would be my number one.
0: Nice. I'm pretty certain that's the first ever time cold calling has been mentioned. (laughs) I'm pretty certain. Um, But yeah, if it's done well, it can be a beautiful thing. Okay. The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
2: So once again, aside from our software, ShipHawk, right? I'm going to give you a a one that's more ubiquitous here, uh, yet unsexy. I go old school with this. Number one has to be Google Docs specifically because I can collaborate with others in real time. I don't have to sit in a meeting to have that collaboration, to get people's insights. They can sit back, be thoughtful, make those comments and real-time edits and suggestions. I'm a big fan of Google Docs.
0: Me too. Um, I like that it's so simple as well. There's nothing complicated about it, but it's hugely powerful, like many of the best tools. Okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from a thousand, from 100 even orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them?
2: Yeah, my number one tip here has to be to keep it simple. With growth like that, right, 100 to 1,000 orders doesn't sound like a lot more orders, but I mean, that's 10x growth. And that usually happens in a short period of time when these these um, sellers are getting traction. And what happens right after 1,000 is 10,000 or even 20 or 50,000, right? And so we have to remember that tomorrow we are going to be ripping apart what we put in place today. And so going overboard on the complexity, on the number of tools, on the connections of all these, sometimes it's it's a waste because order volumes are growing so fast that we end up tearing it apart to start from fresh again. So simplicity is my number one, my number one suggestion. Keep it simple, have the most important things, whether even within the supply chain, within warehouse and and order, uh, order processing and distribution, just one thing at a time, master that thing and move on to the next. Don't try to do everything.
0: Excellent advice, thank you, Jeremy. Now, two things you need to let us know before you're allowed to uh, to sign off. The first is how can people get hold of a copy of your book?
2: Well, uh, for your listeners, I'm actually uh, uh, if they want to go to info that's i n f o dot shiphawk s h i p h a w k like the boat and the bird info dot shiphawk dot com forward slash master plan m a s t e r p l a n I will send them the first 50 people. I'll send a copy of the book, um, on me. Um, if they want to buy it and support it, that would be great. Uh, they, my, uh, URL is jeremybodenhammer.com and I have links, um, for those that still shop on Amazon, I know they're <laughs> few and far between, but I've got an Amazon link there, but I also have links to independent booksellers, local bookstores. Uh, so wherever their, uh, their heart directs them, they can buy the book there.
0: Excellent. So guys, if you want to grab a free copy, the first 50 of you can do that at info.shiphawk.com forward slash masterplan. Thank you very much for that, Jeremy. It's very kind of you. And um, if you want to go and uh, and support the book, then head
2: to, what was
0: the URL for that
2: one, Jeremy? Jeremybodenhammer.com. J-E-R-E-M-Y Bodenhammer.com.
0: There we go, guys. Very simple. And then the other thing I had to ask you, Jeremy, before you're allowed to go, is tell us a little bit more about what Shiphawk does and um, and how we can get in contact if we've got anyone who thinks they need you.
2: Yeah. Uh, Shiphawk is Pat King and shipping software for companies whose volumes are starting to scale. You talked about the company growing from 100 to 1,000. I mean, when you're talking getting into the thousands of orders, um, you're running a multi million dollar business. Traditionally, Companies are using, you know, $99 a month shipping software, and those two things don't add up, right? They're in a uh, way overspending on labor, on on shipping and, and the like. So we make software to help them scale their business. And it, people uh, customers buy it to reduce the shipping costs, to reduce the labor costs, to increase throughput. I just had a case study across my desk two weeks ago. A customer went from three to 400 orders a day to eight to 900 orders a day by just changing the software from an SMB product to our product. Uh, So that's what we're doing to help uh, e-commerce shippers um, compete against the big guys. And I'm at ShipHawk.com. That's where they they can reach us.
0: Excellent. There you go, guys. Shiphawk.com to find out more about all of that and reach Jeremy and his team. Well, look, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been brilliant geeking out about both metrics and the back end of e-commerce. Uh, so thanks so much for coming on and, uh, and being our guest.
2: Thank you, Chloe. It was great. I appreciate it.
0: So, you've got it three key areas you can improve in your backend processes and systems in order to reduce the cost, improve the quality of what you're doing, and help you maintain that competitive advantage. They were team shipping and the packaging side of things. and obviously those metrics as well. So if you want to put one thing in place this side of Christmas to enable you to improve the back end of your business going into 2022, then make sure you are at the very, very least tracking those metrics. So you've got the data to see where the biggest opportunities are and where the hugest problems you need to solve are as you hit the ground in January and go, right, what are we doing this year? And I will often find to be aware of this, that when you start doing this, you'll suddenly discover that what Barry says in the warehouse, what he's been moaning about actually isn't the biggest problem and there are other things. Or sometimes Barry's right and then you have the data you need to back up and go and sort out that problem. I'd like to get your hands on all the notes from today's episode, including the top tips, links to what we've mentioned, and more. Head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you can also add yourself to our email list so as you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And so you get our reminder email every Monday to let you know that this podcast is available again for you. Now, if you like this episode, then make sure you check out recent episode number three hundred and forty, which is all about turning shipping into a competitive advantage. And whilst this one focused on the mechanics of the back end, three hundred and forty, my my episode there, uh, we talk more about the impact on getting the first order and getting the repeat orders. So we're talking more about inserts in parcels, pricing, and things like that. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this and every episode that you do of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week so I can inspire and help e-commerce business owners and marketers to succeed and thrive with their businesses. So if you know someone this show can help, please do tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimizing.
1: Thank you for listening to the Ecommerce Master Plan podcast. Find out more at eCommerceMasterplan.com podcast.